Hello there, it's Chappie, your British butler. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's episode 107. 107. En zero set is the number, the order of play today. And uh, yeah, it's lovely to be here. Um, a lot of you doubt that I'm actually really a British butler, but I tell you what, I can get wrinkles out of a shirt within 10 minutes. Get a wet handkerchief and throw the shirt into the dryer for 10 minutes on high and all the wrinkles will dissipate. They'll disappear. That's one tip. Um, you know, I, I, I may have uh, failed uh, my washing technique at butler school. Uh, back in the day, all the colors used to run. So if you had whites and pinks together, you could never do it. But you'd end up with a, uh, a baby pink shirt, basically, if you, if you mix the two colors together. But these days, I don't know what has happened. I mean, maybe the detergent has improved. Maybe we've become more aware of how to wash colored items together. Um, but I, I do see people washing whites and colors together now, and they, and they don't have any problems. I'm always very fearful of it, though. Because you don't really want a, a, a tuxedo shirt to come out uh, like baby slightly pinkish. That would not, uh, would not, that would be very derogatory. And uh, so here we are again. It's Saturday. Uh, we're uh, getting into the uh, to the midst of July here. And uh, it's a little bit cooler today here in Colorado. A little hazier, uh, more pleasant, perfect to walk the dogs. Now, George the Border Collie uh, got really combed out yesterday. Um, trimmed, combed out. I mean, before she looked like uh, maybe Bigfoot and the Hendersons or that fluffy gremlin. You know, the one that looks like an owl with lots of fluff. That's how George looked. Uh, same wisdom as an as a owl-like gremlin, uh, but uh, same sort of fluff as well. Uh, but you know, considerably bigger. So all, all of the fur was brushed out. Um, lady came over, uh, bathed George. Lots of tangles, lots of pain. Um, poor old George, you know, having having a coat brushed out like that. But I couldn't believe how much excess hair. You know, there was so much excess hair. Uh, but apparently, with border collies, you shouldn't shave them down. You shouldn't give them the puppy cut. You can only trim them because uh, they have this insulation layer that if you shave it all off, then it can grow back in patches and they can get very, very cold in the wintertime. It's some sort of razor shock or something along those lines. That's what I learned from the barber yesterday. You cannot uh, trim or remove too much hair off the border collie's coat. And it made me think, you know, seeing that I'm growing hair like out, like a Neanderthal or Sasquatch, I mean, maybe I could use the same excuse. If you shave all of my body hair off, then I'll be pretty cold in the wintertime and it'll be awful. You don't want a freezing cold, shivery butler. Uh, there's never enough uh, jumpers or sweaters uh, to go around. That's that's why I do keep a full closet of sweaters because uh, being a big champ, I, I still feel the cold. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's getting older. You start feeling the cold as you get a little bit older, apparently. But... Uh, this is where we are again. So Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese is a, a nonsense, uh, eccentricity-laden podcast. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we ramble along talking about all sorts of topics, uh, such as ways to get wrinkles out of shirts. That's, you know, that's one of the examples that we, that we might have uh, here. But we, we, we do love to uh, talk about some old British habits, some old British traditions, um, because, you know, where my parents uh, live uh, on the East Coast in the UK, I mean, it looks like the clock stopped. It's like the Antiques Roadshow, uh, 365 days a year. 
So, you know, we, we, we hark back to sort of a, a bygone age, not necessarily a better age, uh, but uh, an age where we weren't trolled on the internet, uh, where we weren't uh, castigated online for having a different type of opinion. We all could get together and have a beer at the end of the day. I mean, it's like Ronald Reagan, Tip O'Neill, two very different sides of the uh, political spectrum, but they could sit down and have a beer at the end of the day. Uh, it's that sort of respect. You can't see Trump or Biden doing that these days. Uh, it's, uh, it would be a complete anathema. Uh, but anyway, so we're easing into the podcast, uh, gently easing into, uh, into Saturday morning. And um, yesterday I made the uh, wonderful naan bread. It, was, uh, it turned out very fluffy, very delicious. Um, I, I tried to look up uh, the cost of a clay oven as well. Uh, because that's the idea, but you put them on those prongs and then stick the uh, the, the dough to the, the side of the oven. And they often turn out beautiful. I mean, I haven't got all the right implements, but I do a pretty good uh, a, a pretty good naan bread, I would say. So between making curry, packing up chappy towers, uh, it's, been a, it's been a very busy weekend. And then picking out dog fluff out of my mouth and all over my body. I, I don't need extra hair, but I've suddenly got... A border collie's coat uh, interspersing with um, hairy British man coat. So some of the things we may or may not be discussing today. The new location of Chappie Towers. We had a bit of a hiccup in the week here uh, when I turned up a, a, the new location. The, the downsized version The uh, is almost like the mini-me version of Chappie Towers. So we'll be talking about that. Also, um, there's a cricketer called Colin de Grandhome. He's a South African cricketer. And uh, he's got a surprising hairstyle. We'll be looking at that. My new plan for garage sales or garage sales. Uh, an American food that I don't get. These are some of the things that I mentioned yesterday but we never got round to. Also being pinged by an app. Um, the secret to moving uh, heavy items. Uh, my reinvention and, and a new understanding of a hot tub. Also a lesson in um, the Norfolk accent. Now, a broad country rural accent in the UK is very difficult to understand. I mean, there's many difficult to un- uh, understand. You know, the Glaswegian, um, you know, a, a sort of a Newcastle, Liverpudlian accent, the Scouser. I mean, all of it's quite difficult to understand. But I saw something marvellous on YouTube where, I, I mean, it, it's baffling. And this is really because of uh, Gerald on Clarkson's farm. Now, Gerald's a... Uh, deep sort of, um, I guess, Southern English, rural, Cotswoldian, Oxfordshire accent. And uh, that, that gave me the inspiration to uh, you know, really uh, scrape behind the surface of uh, my home county of Norfolk and the accent uh, that goes, uh, goes along with that. Um, also, um, I don't think we talked about the Scotch bottle halfway down the riverbank. Will that appear today? Who knows? We don't follow a, a, a script. We don't follow a set order here. There's, uh, there's no structure to the show. We, we sort of throw it together, we put it in a tombola, and pick the various pieces out here. Uh, the, the, yesterday we talked about mosquitoes and uh, mosquito bites and tea bags on mosquito bites uh, and how wondrous uh, and how good it feels after a yeah, slightly warm tea bag. So that's yesterday's show. So tune in uh, to uh, yesterday's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Uh, if you want to sort of recap on all of those things here. Um, but we never talked about girls being bowled over by cricket, not rounders. Uh, summer of the season of empty stomachs. Um, also, uh, confessions of a sugar addict. Uh, men turn into wild animals at football games. I mean, that's obviously a reflection of the Euro 2020 final where things got a little bit 
out of control. Uh, also, uh, saw last week in the Sunday Times, um, it was the Dear Dolly column, I've become obsessed with astrology and looking at guys' birth charts. It was an agony aunt uh, column there. Um, and also, sun swimming, smoking and seagulls, a day in the life of Beach Hut Britain. Um, I think we're going to put Bezos and uh, Branson and uh, Elon Musk to one side here. Um, just, for, just for today as well. Um, and uh, Trump or trombone. And an enigmatic English type of condiment today. So I'm a little bit of an old fart when it comes to cricket. I do like test cricket. Five days, over six hours a day. Obviously stopping for afternoon tea, cucumber sandwiches, and a lovely slice of cake. I do like that. But I've been watching the last few days this uh, 100 competition. In the UK, it's 100 balls each side. And I think this is something that really could take off in America. There's a countdown of the balls, there's a lot of razzmatazz, there's DJs playing music in the background. I really like it. So the 100. I don't know if they're showing up Willow Cricket in the US, uh, but it's across Sky Sports BBC in the UK. And it's quite entertaining. It's fast, it's flashy, colourful. And you know, maybe I'm not such an old fart as I thought, because I thought I'd always lever on Willow, whites, everything else. Uh, but I, I do quite like it. The girls, uh, the ladies' side, and the men's uh, 100 competition, really, really fun. So the thwack of Leveron Willow has been the sound of summer for generations of boys, but cricket is now soaring into popularity amongst schoolgirls. Prep schools say the number of girls playing cricket almost doubled in the last two years, and twice as many are registered for cricket matches as their male classmates next year. Rounders is becoming an endangered sport as schools drop the game. Many of them removed it from curriculum to allow time for cricket. Rounders is a little bit like softball or baseball. Um, school leaders credit the rise in professional women's cricket for eliminating gender stereotypes in sport, demonstrating the power role of models. The Independent Associate Prep Schools has analysed numbers competing in intersport fixtures that says girls are participating in football and sport in general. For the pupils under 11, the number of girls playing cricket almost doubled from 2017 and 2019, the last full year of fixtures before the pandemic started. Nearly 1 in 10 girls participating in the sport at the schools are playing cricket. It's under 11's cricket in 2019, there are 810 girls and 974 boys. This year, 1,300 under 11 girls signed up and uh, 1,100 boys signed up as well. So it's becoming a very, a very, very popular. Lydia Greenway, the former English cricketer, said it's great to see the rise of participation amongst girls at such a young age. I think cricket has come into its own. It's a team sport with lots of tactics, but also provides four skill routes in batting, bowling, wicket-keeping and fielding. I mean, it really is lovely to see. I mean, it's a beautiful game in the summertime. Uh, anybody can really play it. I mean, you don't have to be a batter. You can be a bowler. You can be an all-rounder. You can be a catcher, wicket-keeper. I mean, it, there's, there's many, uh, many, many different uh, elements to it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they'll be playing with the hardball because the thing that, you know, I love cricket. I love everything about it. Love the, love the fashion. Obviously, love the afternoon teas by the look of me. But, you know, the one thing, and I'll never forget it, is, uh, you know, it's practicing, practicing in the net. It's probably like 25 years ago. And I, uh, I, I played for the one-legged, one-armed um, team, basically. Um, you know, probably like a 6'11 or something, you know. 
you know, the partially sighted 11, all of those, those sort of guys. I mean, not have any, my skills are certainly limited in these areas. Um, but some of these, some of these players are amazing. I mean, playing cricket with one arm. I mean, I can, I can barely play it with two arms, let alone with one arm. Tremendous uh, effort there. But I remember being hit in the googlies, uh, so to speak, when a ball raised up off the crack and uh, hit me square in the uh, in the galashes. And uh, I, I don't think I've ever. I, I thought I thought my life flashed in front of me. Um, because you know what? For a second there, two balls became three. I really do love Nature's Notebook in the London Times. Uh, John Lewis Stemple did a li- lovely little piece uh, last week. And uh, he talked about summer being the season of empty stomachs. Now, I thought this was an article about fasting uh, or keto diet. But it really uh, related and reflected the hungry times in the summer uh, for nature. So long ago, uh, this is what John says, I spent a year living off wild food, just what could be picked or caught on a 40-acre farm on the Welsh borders. It was a time of revelations, none more so than the difficulty that the apex predator has in filling its stomach in high summer. Nearly all of the easy game of praise, springtime bursts, the weak and the young has long gone. So in the morning, I was not unduly surprised to see a dead fox cub lying on the beach of the uh, bank of the brook. At first sight, she looked like a, a carmine fur muff dropped by a debutante uh, returning from the ball circa 1910. On closer look, prosaic inspection, she was very thin, starved to death thin. Um, her fate prompted me to check on the rest of the fox family and whether the other cubs born in April were still alive. So about 7.30 a.m., I plunged into the wood on the top of the hill and into the deep, drowning silence of July's oaks. The fox's den is halfway down the slope. As I approached, I could see the top of the entrance was clogged with leaves and sticks from the deluge. But the foxes were still in residence, fresh scat bristling with beetle wings, with dolloped generously around the lower tunnel. And there was a sour lemon smell of the fox hung all over the place. There was neither hide nor bone of rabbit to be seen. However, the little warren which supplies the foxes with their meat staple was submerged in a May storm, and all the kits lost. Thus, in a catastrophic food chain reaction, the death of bunnies is called the death of the fox's cubs. I did glimpse the other cub in the corner of my eye, as he and his mother were returning to earth together. Vixens teach their offsprings the tricks of the poacher's trade until September. They were both gaunt as they slipped into the trees. On uh, noting me, there were shadows of themselves. Walking back home, grey sky pressing down the swallows so hard that they scurled around my legs. I realised how dire the fox's diet has become. In the track side hedge, there in Worcester, uh, Pearman sampling, the foxes are dragged down a branch to eat some of the low-hanging unripe fruit. Half-chewed bits of apple lay everywhere, and the citrusy scent of vulps, vulps, hung around the place. So it's very sad. I mean, it, it, it is a time of year where I, I guess it becomes a little barren. Before the harvest, uh, you know, when all the uh, wheat, corn, barley, rapeseed is cut, and uh, allows the sort of voles and mice to uh, sort of uh, exit the uh, areas that they've been uh, sleeping and staying in before the harvest, and that's when uh, things become plentiful again around the uh, around the autumn time. But there is nothing more beautiful than a, a wonderful red-coated rouge uh, scarlet fox 
especially, I mean, I've seen a few of them here in Colorado around dusk time, and uh, and also in the morning. And you've got the uh, amber light of the morning shining and glistening off the fox's coat. They're beautiful creatures to uh, to see. And I did have the uh, I did have the fox one day back in my uh, university days, my college days. Uh, rolling back after uh, after a rather hard night. I don't know if I stopped and maybe had uh, some of the discount Indian that you used to get back in the day uh, in uh, in college. But anyway, a little worse for wear, meandering, probably walking in a Z-shape, not making too much ground or sense at that time of the evening. And um, in, the, in, in the light of the dusk, the, the, the lamps that lit the, uh, lit the way, I saw a fox following me. I looked round, the fox looked at me, The uh, I looked at the fox, our eyes sort of really uh, narrowed and lasered focused together. And I trotted on my merry way, very merry way, and looked back. And the fox is still there looking at me, probably judging me a little bit, but stopping. And then as I, uh, as I approached uh, the house I was staying in at the time, the fox followed me right to the front door, eyes interlocked on me, and uh, I almost feel that uh, it was guiding me on my way home. A partner, you know, when I was a little bit worse for wear, to, uh, to map my route and make sure that I got home safely. And ever since then, me and the fox have been kindred spirits. The only thing is, I don't go about and uh, rummage around and ruin a, ruin a whole hen house. So, the new location of Chappie Towers was in doubt. As I said earlier, it's like a mini-me version of the old Chappie Towers. I mean, what I need, big closet spaces, uh, not so I can come in and out of the closet and all that nonsense, but, you know, I need to somewhere to record the podcast. So, if I have all my sweaters and jumpers and shirts and uh, woolen goods around me, it sort of tempers the sound a little bit. So I'm thinking about broadcasting from in the closet uh, moving forward from about August time. Um, but early in the week, so I'd, I'd reserved in a, a, a new apartment, um, you know, essential items, butler's nook, plenty of space to, uh, to iron, you know, a little bit of a, uh, a mud room where I can uh, polish the shoes to an inch of their lives. You know, making sure I can see my reflection in the shoe, and then gasping in awe when I uh, when I see the troll-like image uh, appear in the uh, in one of my loafers. Uh, but so these are these are essential items. I mean, a turret's always good. Somewhere where I can uh, erect a flag in the morning. Uh, these are these are items that are essential. Um, but also. You know, having some naughty hounds, it's very important to have very little carpet. Dogs and carpet do not uh, do not agree. Uh, I spent most of my formative years becoming an expert in uh, cleaning carpets. You know, I, I should have had shares in Bissell or one of the other carpet companies, Hoover, Dyson. Anything that sprays wet jets out uh, with soapy water to clean carpets. Because I was going through maybe one of those a year. I mean, that's that's you know, if you've got... Dogs, muddy paws, little accidents, uh, especially as the dog gets older, you need a bissel. You need a carpet cleaner. You need something to scrub 
and get all the dirt and all, all the in-ground dirt and, uh, you know, toenail clippings and everything else out of the carpet. Um, but carpet doesn't work for me. So I didn't see the apartment until last Sunday, and it really, it really wasn't working uh, because there was carpet everywhere. And this is a disaster, absolute disaster for the butler and his hounds. Um, so you know, I tried to uh, beg, borrow, uh, convince, do a sales pitch, you know, try to get money off, you know, uh, do without the butler's nook, get them to, you know, get 20 men good and true to come and clean the carpet every week. You know, there was no flexibility on the half of the, uh, of the uh, landlady, um, the manager. No, there was no give or take. I mean, this was, I mean, she was the iron lady of negotiation. Uh, I, I think she was actually the Corella de Ville of, uh, of apartment negotiation tactics. It was bloody awful, to be honest. Um, you may, I, I'm probably more flexible her, than her. And uh, I have the uh, rigidity of a, uh, of a cricket bat, you know. And a cricket bat has a little bit of give in the willow, but she had no give at all. So I said, uh, bugger off, basically. And uh, then I was desperate. I was trying to find another alternative, mini Chappie Towers. And on Monday morning, I stumbled across a lovely place right near a trail. Uh, I can erect the flags when I want to. No carpet, so none of that nonsense. And got a little bit lucky. And sometimes fate points you in a different direction. Um, and this is an even better destination for the new Chappie Towers, where there'll be lots of uh, lovely broadcasts uh, in the security of my closet and my woolen items uh, with perfect sounding uh, dulcet audio tones from Chappie, your dear butler, in the new mini-me version of Chappie Towers. So I absolutely love Gerald on Clarkson Farm. Uh, broad, sort of rural accent, round the Cotswolds, Oxfordshire, and nobody could understand him. But a lovely chap. So it made me think, my dear county of Norfolk, uh, trying to understand the Norfolk accent can get you in a bit of a quagmire. Uh, it can be a little bit of a quandary for you. Uh, but I saw this fantastic piece on YouTube uh, about communicating with a Norfolk accent when you leave Norfolk. So here we go. Production to communicating with a Norfolk accent outside Norfolk. However, as you are from Norfolk, this is probably an illegal copy or was reduced in the January sales. Why do you find yourself outside the county of Norfolk? Perhaps you got lost on the A11 found yourself on the M11 and have been driving ever since as sheer panic took a hold. Or perhaps you have had to leave Norfolk for reasons beyond your control. Either way, this tape will help you cope in situations outside of Norfolk. Scenario 1. You have received an invitation to a wedding in Manchester. Although you dislike the couple immensely, your wife does like them, or at least she says she does. But you sense this is just an excuse for her to go out and buy yet another dress. Anywho, this is besides the point. You're both going and that's that. Unfortunately, you will have to communicate with northern people. There is no way around this. You could pretend to be deaf and mute, but your wife won't let you, as you attempted to do that when you first met her parents. There are several embarrassing scenarios that could occur. Scenario 1. 
You have found yourself in a northern pub, and you require refreshments. Hello, mate. What can I get you? Hello. Can I have a bear, please? I'm sorry, sir. What was that? I'd like a bear, please. A bear? You could try Chester Zoo. They might live there. If not, try a circus. No. <laughs> no, I don't want a bear. I want a bear. Stop. It is impossible for Norfolk people to distinguish between the words beer and bear. Try saying beer and then bear. 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 Stop. Oh dear, what a calamity. So the Norfolk accent can be tri- troublesome. Uh, if you have a very uh, dewy walk, uh, which sounds like do, uh, and then you need to wash off in the shower. Uh, but here's another little scenario here. Let's move on and try another scenario. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. I hit a dare. Oh dare. Oh dare. Oh dare. I hit a dare. So another enigmatic English recipe and food. We have piccalilli. Piccalilli is a mixed vegetable relish that has a very distinct look. Due to its slightly spicy, tangy mustard sauce. It's a British staple for sandwiches, picnics and charcuterie. With mixed vegetables like cauliflower and carrot, this is a recipe that grandmother had made for many years. British people love their pickles. Many foods get pickled from onions to eggs. Yes, the pickled egg that goes slightly green in the pub. This popular British condiment is usually served with cheese platters, but can transform a simple ham sandwich or use one of the components of a plowman's lunch. There are really many dishes that this relish would not complement. If you like spicy mustard, then you'll love piccalilli. The vegetables used need to reflect the British nature of the condiment, and they're easily available. But we've seen mango and other ingredients used in the recipe. But these are not typically British. I mean, you can't really grow mangoes. You don't see British mangoes. Uh, I mean, maybe the Cox's orange pip and apple uh, is probably the equivalent to the mango. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't have the warm climes. Although the, uh, the some of the English climates are getting more like the Roman times. So we're doing a sparkling, a fabulous sparkling wine now. Really uh, competing with champagne, champagne. Um, but my choice of vegetables are chopped cauliflower, shallots for the piccalilli, cucumber, green beans, are what you find in most piccalilli recipes. A little bit of carrot for color, but they're optional. The vegetables are brined to remove moisture, then cooked and pickled in the sauce for at least three to four weeks. It is important that the vegetables are chopped the same size so they cook at the same rate and it makes them easier uh, to eat. The sauce is rich combination of vinegar, Turmeric, which gives it the color, mustard powder, ground ginger, and nutmeg, and develops a deep flavor the longer it sits. The history of piccalilli can be traced back to the 18th century and was originally called Indian pickle, uh, which would indicate the origin. Uh, since it's low cost, easy food to make, and lasts for months, that's the reason it was so popular and has remained so for this day. So if you're having a little bit of a plowman's lunch, lots of meats, cheeses, uh, maybe a charcuterie board, and get yourself a spoonful of the old piccalilli. So I saw the most fabulous best mullet 
I've seen for many a moon today whilst watching a little bit of cricket. Colin de Grandholm, the South African cricketer. Now, I would never say it to his face. Never mess with a fella. He's a big lad, broad shoulders. Uh, but yeah, he could probably um, probably impale me on one of the wicket stumps. Let's put it that way. But it's probably the most old-fashioned, greasy mullet that I've seen in a long time. I mean, it's impressive in its own right. Uh, but I don't think I've seen one of those probably since the late 80s. Uh, probably since Billy Ray Cyrus uh, put together the most memorable of hairstyles. Uh, I mean, that's probably why Billy Ray, uh, God bless you, had an achy, breaky heart. You know, an achy and breaky and probably broken heart because he had the mullet. Nobody would stick around. But I mean, that, that thing takes all sorts of uh, manure, upkeep, oil, um, hairspray. I mean, first of all, you have to condition it every day. That probably takes him two hours. And the same with Colin de Grandhomme. Now, I would be a little bit worried if, uh, you know, he could be rubbing some of that grease on the balls. I mean, some of that greasy mullet. I mean, that's probably why he's so successful as a bowler. He's rubbing some of that excess grease and wax from the mullet onto the ball. I mean, that's maybe why he has the mullet. He probably would prefer maybe a short sort of uh, Romanesque Caesar style haircut uh, than, the, than the mullet. But he keeps it just so he can grease up the balls and, uh, and help his team. It could be that. I'm not saying he's ball tampering with mullet oil, but it could be something along those lines. Uh, but you know what? Sort of like to take the clippers to the mullet. It's uh, a little bit uh, past its sell by date, I think, the, uh, the greasy oily mullet. Um, you know, always constantly trying to persuade my mother not to grow the mullet out anymore. And, uh, and thank God lockdown is finished. She can uh, cut off the mullet and her hair is beautifully coiffured again and uh, looking absolutely delightful. But Colin de Grandhomme, cut off the bloody mullet. I have a severe distaste and dislike for people rummaging around in my goods. So I'm not a huge fan of the car boot sale or garage or garage sale. Really, really don't like it. I don't like people snooping through my stuff. But, you know, with Chappie Towers being packed up, I'm having to do some of this stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking of ways that I can get around the uncomfortable chit-chat that you need to when there's a car boot sale. I mean, people you haven't even met before, getting a little bit over-familiar. And then, you know, then they're finding uh, clothes that you can't fit into anymore. Uh, maybe the gimp suit, uh, maybe the, uh, you know, the boxer shorts with uh, palm trees on them. All of those things uh, make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, you don't want people scaring through, you know, your, your book on uh, maybe the architecture of Tudor England, you know. Or, uh, or your love of the Spice Girls. You know, maybe different copies of uh, the Spice Girls movie. One in HD, one Blu-ray. I mean, it's quite, you know, it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, people going through that stuff. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, the uh, libretto of uh, the musical Annie. So you can sing along to uh, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. I mean, all of these things can, uh, can make one slightly uncomfortable. 
Um, but I, I just don't like them. I don't want people rummaging through my stuff, getting their grubby little hands. But, you know, I need to get rid of it. So how can I get around this? I'm thinking about just opening the garage, uh, maybe putting a lock on the freezer so people can't take my uh, side of venison or whatever I have in the freezer. You know, my little frozen creme brulees. You know, none of that can be taken. But I'm thinking that maybe I could, um, you know, maybe I could set up a little bit of a situation in the garage. So people could rummage around, take things they like, um, and then when it comes out, you know, when they come to leave, uh, there's a checkout system. But I set up a camera, a CCTV, so I can watch them doing whatever they do. So I'm in my control room, my control booth. Uh, then I have an electric fence and various cattle prods set to the wall. So if anybody tries to steal thing, they'll have, you know, a thousand volts of electricity uh, shot through their body. Uh, and then the electric fence so they can't get out. So they come in, the electric fence comes across, and uh, then they can go through the stuff. And when it comes to the checkout time, uh, I can go down there um, and, uh, and and collect the money. And, and I can barter, I can haggle with them. So, it's, it, you know, it, it, you're getting right down to the nitty gritty and you don't have to do any of the, uh, the, the the silly sort of small talk. You don't have to talk about the weather. You don't talk about, oh, where are you from? Are you from Australia? No, no, I'm, I'm British for God's sake. You know, I'm not, no, I'm not South African, I'm, I'm, I'm English. Oh, are you from Scotland? No, no, I'm English. Thank you. Yeah, all of that, all of that sort of stuff going on. So you come and haggle the price, and if, you know, if they're trying to undercut you or try to scamper, then you have the cattle prods again. And this limits everything. It limits the small talk. It limits having to sit there in the boiling hot sun with no air conditioning, sitting in the garage, waiting for people to come. And you just get down to the nitty gritty, haggle the price, and they can be on their way. Absolute genius. So an absolutely marvelous piece in the Times uh, by Catherine Fuller. Confessions of a sugar addict. A careless whisper and three Kit Kats before lunch. Uh, by the time you've read this, I'll probably have eaten two or three Kit Kats. If it's after lunch, I might have squeezed in a couple of Cadbury mini rolls too. My diet is disgraceful. I know it, yet I'm fit and healthy. I exercise, I'm slim. Even my teeth are in remarkably good shape, says Catherine. Uh, there, let's see what the dentist says after 16 months of uninhibited working from home snacking. Why would I quit? Henry Dimbleby, the co-founder of the healthy food chain, Leon, and the uh, author of uh, last week's National Food Strategy certainly wants me to. His report highlighted once again the nation's fractured relationship with food, one in which sugary snacks and ready meals jostle out home cooking. Central to the suggested reforms is a sugar tax in the UK, three pounds and a kilogram levied on the sugar sold to food companies and restaurants. It seems likely this cost will be passed on to the consumers. Uh, there's not a humble brag about my finances, but testament to my addiction on the rare days I reach early afternoon without a sugary snack. I'll hit, hit with a headache and only chocolate can cure it. I enjoy and appreciate chocolate um, in the way that others might a fine meal. For me, it's real food. It's just fuel. And I resent any all time spent cooking. My partner, luckily, is a whiz in the kitchen, ensuring that I have at least one proper meal of healthy, normal food a day, as my parents did uh, when they were growing up. They bear no responsibility for their daughter's incorrigible ways. Um, as far as I'm concerned, breakfast, cornflakes with a lot of sugar, lunch, ratatouille or Greg's vegan sandwich rolls are just to keep me going. 
as nothing compared to the relief of a sugar rush after a long run, a mid-afternoon distraction on a busy day, or the sheer uncomplicated joy of Nutella pancakes on a Saturday morning. I've tried to cut down, but always have the same result. When I attempted to abstain on alternate days in a doomed attempt to support my partner, I was giving up sweets for Lent. Every second day or six weeks was reduced to listing out for his Zoom calls in the neighboring room so I could fervently wolf down a whisper or a couple of orange clubs. It certainly feels like an addiction. I can get in a panic if I don't have easy access to chocolate. Maybe Dimbleby is right and is worried about us. A 2017 paper in the British Journal of Sports Medicine confirmed that animal studies, the reward for sugar can surpass that of cocaine and produces more symptoms than is required to be considered an addictive substance. If not an addict, I'm definitely a big dipper, according to Sarah Berry, a nutritional scientist and a woman with warnings of what may lie ahead for my body. When you eat refined carbohydrate containing food, you have a short, sharp rise in circulating glucose, blood sugar, which peaks about every 30 minutes. Uh, Barry adds that Big Dippers tend to be hungry again more quickly after eating and consume more calories. If we compare Big Dippers and Little Dippers over a 24-hour period, this, quin- this can equate uh, to nearly 300 calories, which over a year can equate to 10 kilograms of weight gain. Uh, could anything make me go cold turkey, says Catherine. My genes, my lifestyle choices fail me. As I get older, I risk being a burden to the NHS. And I like to think I do have ethical and environmental concerns about how chocolate is produced. Uh, but as a great chef, Alan DeSez says, everywhere in the world there are tensions, economic, political, religious. So we need chocolate. Ooh la la, now time for a little bit of trombo trombone. So Pornhub has landed in hot water with famous museums after they recreated fine art masterpieces in adult style as part of the new platform they call Classic Nudes. The adult industry giant launched a new series to encourage their fans to visit museums and art galleries, many of which have been badly impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. They launched a guided tour voiced by adult actor Azura Akira, showing their fans the sexiest scenes in history at the world's most famous museums. As part of the initiative, adult performers recreated fine art masterpieces including Titan's Venus of Urbino, Edgar Degas, uh, male nude, and uh, Jeanne Gossart's Adam and Eve. Galleries in the tour include the Met, the Prado, the Uffizi Gallery, the National Gallery, the Musée d'Orsay, and the Louvre, uh, who took exception to the initiative due to the rights and infringements. Hmm, maybe that will finally make the Mona Lisa smile. And the heat wave in Britain has us all a bit out of sorts, not to mention the state of our lawns. The lack of rain and the scorching heat has left plans wilted and our lawns dried out and patchy. However, there are ways you can protect your garden from dying out through the heat wave. Gardening experts in the mowers online have shared their top tips of keeping your lawn alive and just in the nick of time. From the most common mistake you could be making causes more harm than good to the benefits of saving your grass clippings. I mean, you can have a glass clipping smoothie for breakfast, one for lunch, and create a grass-cutting toupee for your dinner date. When you're hungry and waiting for your food, a McDonald's drive-thru queue can feel a mile long, especially when you've ordered and you know that your meal is just around the corner. 
But while most people are happy to wait and not cause trouble, others seem incapable of behaving, causing a long queue buildup. One fed up woman decided to get her own back after becoming frustrated with another customer's behavior. And because it's 2021, there were smartphones and the incident was recorded and shared on TikTok. A fellow passenger who filmed that said a man at the front of the queue was acting like an arsehole for 15 minutes. Explained the guy in the red truck was being such a jerk because the employee charged him for 20 nuggets instead of him ordering two 10-piece nuggets. He told the manager he would, wouldn't get out of line until they fixed it or gave him something for free. So he was sitting there for a while. In a bid to make her feelings of frustration clear, the woman behind him started loudly blasting the rap song Move Biatch by Ludacris. Oh, the golden arches are a little tarnished. No happy meals today. <laughs> And one of the staple drinks that defined our British childhood was Ribena. There's nothing like getting home from school, having a snack and watching TV while washing it down with a glass of the blackcurrant squash. We can practically taste the purple liquid right now. But it turns out our pals overseas in the US don't have Ribena and they don't have a clue how to drink it. This came to light after a TikTok user named Holly Una, a singer from America, responded to a video by Dawn Farm who claimed there were no black currants in the US and that Americans are missing out on Ribena. Intrigued, Holly decided to order some Ribena to give it a try. In one clip, she said, as soon as I saw the video, I went to Amazon and ordered some Ribena. Ribena is made from blackcurrant plants, and yes, we don't have them in the US. I've never heard of these before. Okay, let's give it a taste test. She gives the contents a sniff and proclaims it smells like beets before proceeding to drink the concentrated squash out of the bottle, much to the horror of the British viewers. Despite not adding water to the squash, Holly seemed to like the taste. It's really good. I really don't like the smell combined with the flavor, but it's really, really good. One outraged Brit said, girl, no, you have to mix it with water. It's a cordial. If you don't mix it, it's too concentrated. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the difference between Americans and the British. The British are a little bit watered down and the Americans are full, unadulterated concentrate. Marvellous to have you here for the podcast today. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 107. I did count the gnomes. I added another gnome and there were 107 of the little fellas and I counted them. So 107 episode, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. So uh, you can listen across many different platforms from Apple Music to Pandora, uh, Spotify. There's an audio version. Uh, also uh, iHeartRadio, across anywhere. I mean, if you happen to hear the whispers of the night, just listen closely. If you wake up in the middle of the night, just listen very closely. You can hear the breeze going through the trees and gently keep calm and cauliflower cheese in the background. But if you like musical versions, if you like a little bit of music uh, with your undiluted manure of chat, which is chappy, then you can listen to the Spotify Musical Emporium Butler Edition where there's music and such artists. A little bit of Ariana Grande. Yes, I'm getting cool. 10CC, Dreadlock Holiday, Blur, Ed Sheeran, Billy Joel. A little bit of dear, a dear, a female dear. Uh, ben Folds, Snow Patrol, and a great band, Bono's Sons Band Inhaler as well. Uh, well worth listening to that new album that's number one in the UK at the moment. Brilliant stuff. Coming up, the poem. And this is Over Hill, Over Dale from Midsummer Night's Dream, William Shakespeare. A wood near Athens, a fairy speaks. Over hill, over dale, through brush, through briar, over park, over pale, through flood, through fire, I do wander everywhere, swifter than the moon's there. 
I serve the fairy queen to dew her orbs upon the green that cowslips tall her pensioners be. In their gold coat spots you see those be rubies, fairy favours, in those freckles live their savours. I must seek some dewdrops here and hang a pearl in every cowslip's ear. Farewell, though lob of spirits, I'll be gone. Our queen and all of her elves come here anon. Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. Two episodes, listen back on all of the platforms. Until next week, have a lovely summer's week. Cheerio for now.